does the 7 o'clock meeting start? 7 o'clock. So welcome to Position of Neutrality. Welcome to New Freedom. Um, before I get started on what I normally would say and get rolling, um, a couple of announcements about things that happened here that's open to the public. If you're in here visiting um, our facility and you're not a member here or staff here, we also have a open to the public a recovery church service on Saturdays, uh, officiated by Chaplain Sam Lee. And um, Sam, all of you are welcome. If you're here supporting members who are here, you're welcome to come and enjoy the service with your family member. Or if you just want to come to a church service and you're inclined to learn more about the, the Christian faith, Chaplain Lee does a traditional service specific to our population, people who have known trouble in the world. Fair enough? So what we normally do here, so you know, um, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book, and we use this book in 12-step recovery. Why? The process described by the authors of this book has been proven to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. So what we do is we just sort of try and show you, I'll try and show you how I find my experience in the book and encourage you to have your experience. And if we both do our job, share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that that does happen? Great. So by a show of hands, they're telling you that we're going to share a sensory experience. We're all going to know it. You know, have you ever heard the musicians when they really get into their craft and then somebody goes, I feel you? Sometimes they might and sometimes they're just saying it, right? When, when we start showing you the spirit, when we start pumping the spirit, that's going to resonate in you. When it does, I'm going to know. And I'm going to call it to your attention because we would teach you to talk to you about the power we call God without giving you a demonstration of the power, right? So it's a sensory experience, and we're going to share that tonight. We're in the middle of the steps, five, six, and seven. And there's a lot of misunderstanding about it because of the way the book's laid out. So we want you to understand they had a whole chapter on how it works, describing not the power but the process. None of us knows, none of us can fully define or comprehend the power which is God, but there is a process that reveals that power to me, through me. So the chapter, How It Works, tells me every in detail what that process looks like, and then into action, once I've done my inventory, and why do I do the inventory? Because my consciousness of God has been obscured by calamities, pomps, and worship, so I'm not feeling the flow in a meaningful way. So the reason I do the inventory is to find out what the calamity, pomps, and worships have been obscuring my consciousness. And five, I'm going to share that with another human being and God. And I'm going to start having tangible sensory experiences, flow of the spirit, as I unburden myself from the idea that God didn't know who I was. See, God always knew who I was. I didn't know who I was. Okay? So... And we're not talking theologies because half of these people were atheists or agnostics. But they all had the same experience because God meets us where we are, regardless of what we believe. Okay? So we're in chapter 6, into action. And it says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? So how many of you have made a personal inventory? Good percentage of you. How many of you could tell the person you were going to share it with what you were going to do about it? 
And how many of you had someone sort of explain to you what they expected for you to do about it based on the experience they had? So that's what the book was intended to do, to show others precisely how we recovered. So they laid out a path so that once they were gone, because none of us are we, they're we, but they left a book to describe what they did and what they experienced as a result, and then someone showed me what they found, and I now endeavor to show you what they found. Right? Okay. So we've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator, and to discover the obstacles in our path. Did you know that's what we were trying to do? And not everybody does know. Some people say, well, I don't believe in God. It's half or atheist. So why would I want a new relationship with a creator I didn't believe in? To Deshaun's point, I need something to change, right? So what these guys witnessed to, regardless of what they believed, my relationship with creation is my relationship with creator. If I'm having a tough time in creation, better check in with creator. And so, since I was having a rather difficult time in creation, which is why I showed up at this clubhouse, because none of us get here on a winning streak, right? I, I saw what they witnessed to, and I allowed them to show me what they found. And once I went through the process they described, I too found what they found. I found purpose and power in my past, and it gave me a propulsion for a life of purpose. Anyone else have a similar discovery? Okay. All right, so that's why we might want to have a new relationship with Creator, because the one I had wasn't working. Okay. So we have admitted certain defects, and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We've put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. So have you ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is? And what was the trouble? Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. I step on the toes of my fellows, not because I read it in a book, because I wrote it on paper and just found out who I had been in my life. Yes? Okay. So now these are about to be cast out. That's good news for those of us who are dying of it, right? Do you notice how it didn't say, now you're going to cast them out? says they're about to be cast out, but I'm going to have to stay in process because i got nothing to do with it. I've already admitted I'm powerless, right? Yeah. I've gained access to power, but it ain't my power. It's in me, but not of me. How many of you have had that discovery? Yeah. Okay. All right, so this requires action on our part, which can, when completed will mean that we've admitted to God. When we say God, what do we mean? Power. power. We've admitted to power right? Okay? To ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So they didn't go into a lot of detail with the fifth step because it wasn't necessary information yet. How many of you ever went through with your third step because you were afraid of the fifth step? That's why we put the stuff in the way we put the stuff in. Don't, don't cheat yourself out of a better version of you because you're afraid of something you're not prepared for yet. The process will prepare you for the step you're in. But don't try and go from two to six. Okay. Well, this is perhaps difficult. Perhaps. Especially discussing ourselves with another person. 
So how many of you have come from environments where discussing yourself with another person was not a desirable course of action? We think we've done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you have tried that plan? <laughs> Hope no one saw that. Darn, that was bad. I won't do that again. Anyone try that? How'd it go? Well, we're here, Joe. Um, so that's what the authors learned, too. And they're just witnessing to what they learned. They're just humans that had a very human experience of growing in the spirit. Right? So, so in, there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. So can we get on board with them? Why is it important that we find agreement with them? Because rarely we've seen a person fail who's thoroughly followed our path. This is difficult, but what I've been doing is more difficult. So, okay, God, let's go. Right? All right. So many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. You guys sponsoring? Everyone's going to balk at this step. They need to know good reasons why I did it, what I experienced as a result. I once thought and felt as you did, but I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. This is what I did. This is what I learned. This is what I experienced as a result. I walk in new freedom today. Right? Okay. So someone felt that. Who felt that? New freedom. That spirit likes that mentioned around here. It just gives everybody a bump who's paying attention. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So ask yourself, did you come to 12-step recovery to overcome your addiction? Then why would you step, skip a necessary step other than you're afraid of it? Any of you afraid of what you might find? But you already know what you're going to find. So what are you really afraid of? You don't know, do you? Lack, lack of power is our dilemma. Who has all knowledge? Yeah, the power within me, the recorder of all, right? Okay. All right. So, so the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Any of you ever tried to keep to yourself certain facts about your life? How many of you would not describe yourself as a newcomer? Sometimes I just soon not talk about it. Well, that was really stupid, Joe. Maybe no one saw. But I saw. Okay, trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you did everything that you thought you were supposed to do, still found yourself spun? So, did anyone explain to you there is no rest of the program? There's a fellowship that you can go to, leave, come back, change, make shit up, whatever. That's the fellowship. The program is precise instructions with a promised result. And it doesn't end. The minute I made that third step decision and joined with the power I discovered in two, I agreed to advocate for my brothers and sisters as long as I had a breath in my lungs. It never ends. So there is no rest of the program. So if you didn't continue serving, you didn't continue intensive work with others, then there's a likelihood why you've 
lapsed back into unconsciousness. Does that make sense? And we got to tell people that. People will say, you don't have to sponsor people. I, I don't even know what sponsor means. But what you do need to do is take your gnarliest experience of your life that you were pulled from and share with someone in that gnarliest experience the grace that pulled you through it and that grace that sent you to them. And when you do, you will get the healing you need. And call it whatever you want. There is no higher title than child of the living God, just so you know. And these guys use those words here in this book, too, so you know. All of them, regardless of their prior beliefs, came to know that they were the child of a loving God with whom they could form a relationship with. But that's a reading of another day. We're in 5 and 6 and 7. So, so we think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. See, how many of you thought that your house cleaning was done when you did four? Because so, that's what we thought happened, right? But then we told the story in five, and all we had done at that point is get our eyes open. That's why there isn't an amen after the third step prayer, because it's only half the prayer. I wasn't expected to do anything other than get enough power to open my eyes so I'd see what the path looked like to freedom. Does that make sense? Okay, so they're going to tell you about it. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. How many of you did that and didn't know that's what you did? How many of you had a little sarcasm thing and you thought it was an asset because, because you were clever? Any of you? It doesn't serve us well with trying to serve people that are really broken because they think we're making fun of them. And what we're really trying to do is limit the responsibility on us, right? So, so we hold on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they'd humbled themselves. They put thought in italics. Why did they want us to think about that word? So how many of you thought yourself humble? How'd that work for you? How many of you thought yourself selfless? Did you catch a selfie of it? We can't think our way into a state of being. We can only be in a state of being. The minute I'm aware of it, I'm out of it. Which means I'm in God's way, if that makes any sense. Okay? All right. So they only thought they'd humbled themselves. They, only, they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. The word all is in italics. Have you ever considered why that is? Well, because I haven't lived out all my life yet, and, and all the healing I need still out there, and it's still out in humanity, and God's still directing me to those people who I can see their need, and when I summon that from the power within me to offer to them as a vessel of that healing, I will receive that healing. So I've got a story to tell for the rest of my life, and it has nothing to do with where I am at the time I make the decision. Right? Power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. Okay? All right. So, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. <laughs> At least double. Where's my meth addicts? <laughs> Double's a light day, huh? <laughs> okay. Okay. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. So, how many? If you have a persona you like people to have of you. 
Come on, all of us do, right? Okay. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. See how they're talking about the sensory conflict that goes on in a human being? You want to be thought of this way, but you know you don't deserve that reputation? How many of you found out you were better actors than you thought, and although you were just trying to pretend to be something, you really wanted them to think of you another way, and now all of a sudden they were frightened of you or whatever because your act was convincing? Any of you had that happen? And then you're perplexed? See the war within you? Who you were versus who you thought they saw versus who you knew yourself to be? How many of you found out you didn't even know who you really were? See, the whole purpose of this journey is for you to learn who you are and whose you are. And once you know that, you walk in victory. Okay? All right, so he wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but he knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. So how many of you have had sprees? How many of you were doing really good and you were living up to your persona and then you just host it? And then how much of a spree did you go through to try and cover it up? How many of you just went out to get a little something and you had the family over and then you ran into somebody with a little something else and then you just didn't go home for a week? Hi, you are, my peeps are here. So that's a little difficult to explain. How many of you walked back in as if nothing had happened? What? Okay, so you're with us, right? Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Where's my people with vague remembrances? Okay. His memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. Where's the power found? Do you relate to their plan? Can you see why that plan is not a good plan for us? Because I'm putting all my garbage on top of the power I need to live. It's obscuring me from the sunlight of the spirit. My consciousness, my awareness of being aware. Yes? So as humans, that's our plan. And God's plan is don't do that. Okay? All right. So it's, he, he hopes he'll never see the light of day. He's under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. So what the doctor opined about us, because he observed it, Dr. Silkworth, was that we're restless, irritable, and discontented, unless we can again experience that sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, which is why the just don't pick up no matter what plan doesn't work for us addicts of the hopeless variety, because I'm constantly in search for ease and comfort out there because of the disturbance within me. Because I'm not being honest with who I am and whose I am, Right? It's not like we're, we're doing something that we're meaning, meaning to do something evil. We just say, how many of you just think it's silly sometimes? You, you know you should pray about it. But, oh, I, I got this. That's silly. I don't need to pray about this. Why trouble him? Well, because he knows. He knows what you need, where you're going. Okay, so he hopes he'll never see the light of day. He's under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. Hey, psychologists don't agree with us about much. <laughs> but on this point, we have unanimity. Okay? 
How many of you saw a few behavioral health professionals on the way to where, where we're meeting? There's not nearly enough hands in this population. Every one of you who's been incarcerated has been seen by a behavioral health professional. Whether you're aware of it or not. Um, so tell me this. Did you tell them the whole truth? Did you follow their advice? Let's see what these guys did. We've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. So see, we didn't invent any of this addiction disorder stuff. These guys knew everything about us sitting here right now, but they're the ones telling the story, so if I want the outcome, I need to listen to them and not the behavioral health client in the room. Okay? They may or may not be diagnosed in the room. But the great physician within you has diagnosed you, or you wouldn't be sitting here listening to this. Okay. So, unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. How many of you have discovered that? How many of you were told that you were demonstrating drug-seeking behavior? Come on, where's my, where's my pill addicts? Come on. That's kind of the way they got the system set up, right? I got to tell you the right shit or you don't give me the right stuff. I'm going to have to go to four doctors to get this shit right. Okay. So we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live longer happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So think about what they said. We sometimes make fun of people in our rooms, you know, do not be discouraged and all these things. And we, you know, we say bullshit. And we, but the fact is we're all scared when we get here and we're often scared when we've been here a long time because of things that are happening. And so we, we want you to understand that we're not going to be able to live long and happily in this world unless we're entirely honest with somebody about what's going on within us. And we'll start with the power within us, and we'll start with our circle around us, right? That's what we're going to do, okay? So we all are going to think well about telling the person or persons, because we know as normal humans that if you tell the wrong person, you're going to get an undesirable result. And how many of you got to a place where you had not, didn't have a great deal of faith in humans to not screw you over? I should see a lot more hands, because you've probably had good lessons that there's good reason. So we don't ask people to trust people. We ask people to trust God and love humans. But God will let you know when that's the right one to disclose. And Right? Okay. All right. So then it goes on to say those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and of course will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So they had all religions at the time. If you have like in the Catholic faith, if you were supposed to go to confession, they're saying go to confession, but don't do it in replacement of your AA discipline. Do your AA discipline and your religious practice because they don't necessarily guarantee the same outcome depending on what I'm delivering. Does that make any sense? Okay. So though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. How many of you have had to do that? Any of you go to a priest just because you knew you could, but because you had pending charges? or 
pretty common thing, right? You don't want to tell somebody... Some things that some of us have done, if you tell it to a human being that isn't protected by the clergy, they're obligated under the law to turn you in. So we don't put people in that position. There's a lot of reasons why we would do that. And me taking someone through the step who is not protected class, I have no right to expect you to give that to me, nor would I want you to disrespect me in such a way to give me something that I... Does it make sense? Because if you come tell me you're fixing to go murder somebody, I have a human obligation to do something about it. You tell that to the clergy, maybe they can work you through it, right? Okay, so, um, or not. Um, we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. What is our problem? Selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, fear, right? Driven by a hundred forms of fear. They may not know that if they don't have an addictive history, which is why someone with an addictive history knows all the crazy things I'm talking about aren't that crazy for a guy like me. Right? Have you ever figured that out in our rooms? We have a particular brand of crazy. We know. Okay. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. <laughs> How many of you have run into people that did not understand alcoholics in places you were surprised to find them? You ever been to a fellowship room and felt diminished by somebody who, if you haven't hit bottom yet, stop digging. Any of you ever heard that shit when you're in free fall? Dude, I've been falling for 14 years. Ain't no bottom. Didn't think to grab a shovel. Ain't digging. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You get a year, I'll work with you. If I get a year, I don't need your ass. <laughs> so we run into people who do not understand alcoholics. How many of you have been mad at a friend of yours when they twisted off again? Then you don't understand alcoholics. How many of you have been mad at yourself when you messed up again? Then you don't understand alcoholics. We don't need to go out there looking for them. Why wouldn't I just seek the power that can restore instead of cause more wreckage, right? Because I'm not disciplined to go inward. That's the point of lifetime, right? Okay, so if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. So how many of you are working with others? How many of you have to admit you weren't terribly closed mouth or understanding initially, but you have grown? So. I'm always seeking my spiritual experience as a result of the steps, not yours. I'm not empowered for yours. I'm not even empowered for mine. But I receive mine because I show up. But I'm there for mine, and you're there for yours, regardless of which side of the table I'm on. Does that make sense? So perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. If it, it may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what, be unaffected by what? What is search for the truth? Search for the truth. Before I get to the truth, I'm going to encounter facts about their experience when they learn the facts about them. If I am disturbed by the facts about them, I'm no longer effective. 
because I'm now judging the moment. Does that make sense? Because all we're going to do, Chaplain Lee gave a sermon on it not too long ago, it doesn't matter what the facts are, but we're going to gather the facts and we're going to take the facts to the truth. Because the facts are I was an addict of the hopeless variety. There was no way for me to ever stop. You had to lock me up or chain me down. That's the only way it could stop. And then, pow, I encountered power. And that never happened again because I took the facts to the truth. Does that make sense? So, here we are. What did I do now? Okay, the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. So do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot of positions where you might be just not comfortable putting something on paper or whatever, right, because of a lot of reasons. And it doesn't, you don't have to be incarcerated to have fear of being found out. So it really has nothing to do with the condition. It has to do with, by the time we're sitting down, I'm already gonna know you're carrying a burden and I'm gonna talk to you specifically. I'll probably talk straight to the burden. And you know, you know what I'm talking about? Because I'm gonna talk to the one who wants to live and I'm gonna talk to the burden. I'm gonna tell the burden he's gotta go and I'm taking the one who wants to live with me. Believe me, that's what we do, right? Okay, all right, so if that is so, this step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. So it's all, now that we've encountered power, it's just to your own self be true, right? Am I, am I experiencing the grace I ask for? Yeah, I may not know it, but I am. I'm not twisting off again right now, right? So now the, the truth is I've got to continue to grow in this, yes? So... If, if I can't give it to anyone, then I'm going to do it in the first opportunity, which means I'd be prepped to do it. Yes? How many of you have prepped in your mind? And by the time the opportunity came, you just went <laughs> So we know, we know what it looks like. Okay. So we say this because we're very anxious to talk to the right person. You know why that happened? Because you were very anxious to talk to the right person, and God just hadn't brought that right person to you yet. Okay? All right. So it's important that he be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve what we are driving at, and he will not try and change our plan. So you sponsors, that's your, that's your job description, right? You, you fully understand and approve of what we're driving at. They're driving at the truth. I want them to know the truth, who they are and whose they are. I don't give a shit what you did out here that you think you invented. If it has a name, you didn't invent it. God knows who you are, right? Okay. So then it says, when we decide who's to hear our story, we waste no time. They're describing their experience. You don't have to worry about who to find the perfect person or what, whether they're going to be burdened. When you find them, you'll know. You will waste no time. Do you hear that? That's their experience. How many of you have had that? Well, you just finally found someone you knew you could tell them what was burdening you, and you just told them you didn't need a formal process. All of us that work in behavioral health, we run into it all the time. We're conditioned to tell our story. Let's start telling it as victors instead of victims, right? All right, so when we decide who's here, to, here is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory, and we're prepared for a long talk. So now they've told us what preparation looks like, right? Okay. We explain to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. Now, this book was written 
before they had a lot of experience. It was written in 39. They had four years of experience, and they thought they could send it out into the country. People would read it and recover on their own. So they discovered that wasn't true. There is an impartation required by human to human to empower or to help encourage something. And so now when we decide who is to hear our story, we probably talk to someone who knows the process and they show us how to find the facts about ourselves and what we're going to do about it. Yes, and that how it now works, which is an improvement we have made in all the years since this started. So we explained to our partner what we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon our life and death errand. How many of you have come to know what a serious business we are in? Our new employer employs us to be life-giving vessels of his spirit. And we need to take that seriously because we're linked. Yes? Okay. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. You understand why we'll be glad to help? Because we are honored. Yes? To a person, we're honored. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't want to bother you, I don't want to ask, believe me, you honor us. We will get more from you than you will get from us. We encourage you to ask. And if whoever you ask is too busy, you didn't ask the right one. Come see one of us that isn't ever too busy. They'll be honored by our confidence. We pocket our pride and go to it. What does that mean, to pocket your pride? That's a pretty powerful metaphor. Have you ever thought about just... How many of you got into that inventory setting and you sort of knew there's this little story I'm about to tell about that little thing I did? And I, I don't, I, this guy sort of likes me. I don't want him to not like me. We'll just hold that little detail back. Any of you ever do that? So the reason I want to pocket my pride is I am going to have to disclose to whomever everything there is about me that troubles me about me. Because it's blocking my consciousness of the relationship within me that is the power to love unconditionally. And, and I won't gain access to that until I can get completely honest with somebody, right? If I want to lo live long and happily. And here's the trick. If you guys haven't done it and you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoever you're going through your fifth step with, if you're holding it back, we know. <laughs> so you ain't lying to us. Right? How many of you have done fifth steps? Know what I'm talking about. When they give it up, we get a hit of the spirit. Do we not? And when they hold it back, we know there ain't no spirit. So one thing you cannot fool an addict about is when you hold their hit and give them some bullshit <laughs> about how I ain't holding your hit. Yes, you're holding my hit. <laughs> True? Okay. So we pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Why do you think they use those words every? It's important that we understand that they don't mean perfect inventory, because there's no such thing. They mean whatever little thought that came to your mind, it's not a little thought. It's there, it's a conviction. Leave it at the table, right? They're about to be cast out. I'm going to have to participate. Yes? Okay. And then they tell us, once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. So I 
That's a promise that to a person, that's what happened. So did any of you take the step and find that you were not delighted? Did you withhold anything? Not everyone did. There's not a right answer here. Sometimes you're not withholding some fact about yourself, but you're withholding the fact that you're judging yourself still because you're not internalizing the first step experience of powerlessness. If I did all these terrible things, I did them. It's not a, not being accountable. I did them. But if I was powerless, then there's nothing I can do about the fact that I did them, and there was nothing I could do about the fact that I did them then. What I can do going forward from here is turn those things, participate in going forward and turning those things into better experiences for the people I encounter going forward. Yes? Okay. So if you didn't get the sense of delight, it may be because you haven't worked with somebody yet. You may have told the whole truth, but you still are condemning yourself. Even though you've encountered power that has already given you a confirmation, your eyes are open, you can see the path in front of you. But I think God should do more. God does what God does. But he's tangible and he's relevant in our lives, right? Okay. All right. So and then it goes on to tell us that we can look the world in the eye. How many of you dreamed for a day? Where's my people that experienced homelessness and some of the deep shame that, that goes with that? To be able to look the world in the eye is like a massive promise, right? It says that we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. How much of a miracle is that for those of us that had those constant attack thoughts? Any of you ever just get so caught up in whatever is going on in you that you just can't get rid of the thoughts? Our fears fall from us, and we begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. Think they put those words in there by accident? Think they're talking about a doorknob or a light bulb or some silly shit we heard at the meeting? The only way you're going to feel the nearness of your creator, the light bulb, is to stick your finger in the socket and let me energize. <laughs> Actually, they used electricity as an explanation. We believe in electricity, but we don't fully understand electrical theory, and we believe it because we've experienced its tangible effects. And we will believe in God for the same reason because of the tangible effects. The requirement is that I be honest with myself. Does it make sense? Okay. All right. So, our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. That's so critical for the atheists and agnostics to know we're talking to you about an experience, a power to live, that will inform your steps. It will provide revelation. It will provide ease and comfort in the world without going out in the world to get it. And for those of you religious who are dying in your addiction and your religiosity, we're forming a relationship with a power based on grace, not on law. And you will, you will come to know a developed spirit doesn't have the same problems of the flesh that you once had. Okay, so, and notice how we went from beliefs to experiences. You get that? God in AA, God in 12-step recovery, the subject of my experience, not the object of my belief. you got to get that. I bear witness to his power, his love, his way of life. Why? Because I showed what I could do. Okay. 
All right, the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. So how many of you got a four-step done? Told a few things to somebody? Then just ran right out there until your next buzz came on. <laughs> and I thought, I, right, because I, I didn't go through with all the rest of the program. There is no rest of the program. But we will get so much relief in the fourth and fifth step experience that we'll delude ourselves into thinking we're fixed. But all that garbage still there, it's just piled neatly on a paper, right? I haven't converted the trash into treasure because I haven't used it to help somebody else. Okay. All right. So... We feel that we're on the, oh, the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strong. We feel that we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So what's that feel like? That sounds a little flowery, doesn't it? <laughs> How many of you felt like you were on a tightrope all your life? You had to do it perfect or screw it. How many of you have quit good opportunities because your imperfection showed? Everyone's ever tried anything new, right? So now picture a broad highway. God already knows who I am. I know who I am in God, and I know whose I am in God. And this path is laid out for me in order to prepare me for that which I have in front of me. Okay? All right, so returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That's pretty specific. See how this is precise instruction? So if you're taking someone through, you don't have to make shit up. You don't have to change the eyes to You don't have to do nothing. They lay out a case, precisely how to do this. This guy was a brilliant stock analyst that wrote most of this book. And he laid out a case. He was an atheist who was converted because of the process revealed to him the power in him, and he realized what, where he was wrong. And so he writes this book, why it's more logical to believe than not to believe based on my experience. So none of us are any better at laying out the case than Bill especially since it's his experience. So do not believe Barney in the back of the room who's got a better way. <laughs> believe Bill and those of us who know how to show you what Bill found. Because the first 100 agreed to every word. So we have group consciousness and we have original testimony. How many of you come from a Christian background? His blood, word of my testimony. Cast out all the schemes of the evil one. Okay, all right. There's lots of schemes of the evil one that happened to me on the daily. Anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Ain't been high in a long time. Schemes of the evil one right there, waiting to devour. Any of you ever had an attack thought? Just all chill? Ohm. Fuck you! <laughs> Sean has. I've seen it. Sean broke out of a prayer to tell someone to go get fucked once. Um, <laughs> I was there. Uh, all right. So returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we've done. So what have we done? I've looked at what I was like, what happened, what I'd like to be like in the future. That's what all that inventory was about, right? Chased it all down to my selfish behaviors, what fear that drove it. And I've become a little bit, you know, I'm beginning to be more forgiving. Yes? Okay. All right. So... We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. This is the first honest prayer that most of us ever say that have been dying in addiction. Because we know God to be an experience. We know that all that I've just disclosed, I've got confirmation that it's time to go forward. Yes? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you didn't have a profound movement of the spirit until you took someone else through a second step? 
that happens, or third step. So you may not have your experience in the fifth step until you're in someone else's three. So don't stop. Make sense? Okay. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Our work's solid so far. So when there's a question mark, they want me to go introspective. Eyesight without insight is spiritual blindness. So I've got to start, did I do everything I was supposed to do, or did I hold back that thing because I didn't want them not to like me, or did I spin it a little bit to make me feel a little bit better about it, or whatever, right? Because this is about taking the facts to the truth. And the truth knows the facts. So the only one deluded is me. The guy taking me through it already knows I lied too because I held his hit. So are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So let's bounce back to 58, 59. Let's take a look and do what they said to do. I'm just learning, Sean. He has to do that for me every time. Okay, so 59, step one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash. Powerless when? Yeah, I'm, I'm powerless when I'm drinking because this phenomenon of craving that develops. I have an abnormal reaction. I'm energized by the chemical alcohol. Anyone else energized by the chemical alcohol? That's an abnormal reaction to us. Sedative. Yeah. So, and I'm powerless when I'm not drinking because I'm always on the lookout for ease and comfort and I just cannot bring to consciousness the memory of suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. And I just know that a little temporary ease and comfort is better than where I am right now. It's a lie, but that's what, that's what my old idea is, right? Okay. And then there's a dash, and then it says that our lives have become unmanageable. So how many of you cop to that whole thing in one? Everybody does, because they wanted us to start out on an act of faith. They didn't tell me what my unmanageability was till two. So let's look at the unmanageability in two and see if you relate to that. So now we're going to be, um, i got to be on page 52, right? So I'm going to go to the middle of page 52, said so we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Yep. How many of you sobered up and found out you still had difficulties with humans? <laughs> Institutions, principles. So we were having trouble with personal relationships. How many of you have medicated yourself because of troubles you had with personal relationships? Now we're learning the chemical was a symptom and the condition was my unmanageability. Does it make sense? We're starting to fight, but we dick the act of faith based on circumstance, but now we're starting to see it has nothing to do with circumstance, it was happening in me, and then I painted every circumstance with the storm within me, right? So then it goes on to say, we couldn't control our emotional natures. I mean, you had that little discovery. Okay, so did you, would anyone tell you that humans aren't designed to control their emotional nature? Self-control is a divine power. It's a gift of the spirit. You're, you're, you're empowered to experience your emotional nature without being the emotion. You ever notice how you can have an emotion and not act in the emotion? Because you've grown a little bit? How many of you have found out you can be kinder than you feel like being? 
Haven't you gained access to power greater than you? You still thought like you, didn't you? That son of a bitch, how can I help you? <laughs> sure you did. Of course you did. We all do, right? Okay. It says, we were prey to misery and depression. How many of you have had that little discovery since you sobered up? See, that was an underlying condition, and I self-medicated it for years. And I didn't know that condition was there, and I don't really need medicine. I need power, right? I may need, I'm not talking about diagnosis. I'm talking about the general condition of people with addictive disorder, okay? Um, we were full of fear. We were unhappy, couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. So the drug I need is purpose, and it's found within me. And right behind the purpose I discover is the power to carry it out. And it's only there that he may be found. It was so with us, they said. So we encourage you, the answers for you are in you. Your answers aren't in this book, and they're not in your sponsor, and they're not in the rooms. The answers for you are in you. But we're going to point to you, back to your experience and to the power that sustains you, and we're going to pray with you, and we're going to stay with you until you know and you show who you are and whose you are. Does that make sense? So, that's the unmanageability. So, are we good with that? That stuff is fairly true, so I probably need a little power because it appears that I'm a little dependent. Yeah? Okay. All right, so we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. So where do we find this power? Deep down inside. And how do we recognize this power? Search fearlessly, and it represents itself or presents itself to us as power, peace, happiness, and a sense of direction. We will feel the flow. Yes? And when you do, the person you're with will similarly feel the flow. And if they're doing their job, they'll tell you, feel that? That's the power we call God. Okay? All right. So, based on that encounter, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood them in italics. Falsely taught for years that that means a God of my understanding. That is not what they said. And that is not what they intended. They told you clearly how they understood God. They understood him to be an experience. They understood him to be a profound miracle sitting at the table with Bill. At long last, I saw, I felt, and then I believed. And without the tangible demonstration, of course you don't believe. None of us do. But once you have had the experience, and be honest with yourself about the experience, walk with someone who's walking in the experience, and you will grow in the experience. It's a fact. It just will happen. Okay? So as we understood him, why that's so important to know is that it's not even my understanding I grow in, because the God I understood then is not the God I understand today, because I've grown in my understanding. And I wasn't seeking understanding, so that's how I know it's not mine. So based on that, we got a searching and fearless moral inventory out of ourselves, right? Because we launched, because we've encountered power, and the evidence of a decision made is action taken. If you said, I've made a decision, and you have taken no action, good luck with that. You haven't made a decision. You've made a contemplation. There is no chapter on into thinking. I've, I've scoured the book. There's no chapter on that. So once you've encountered power, you've had the process 
that's laid out, you're going to need power to go inward because all of us are afraid. You're going to discover that things about you, hatreds you've held all your life, were maybe not based on sound judgment, that, that roles you've played were really not you, they were put upon you by others, and you'll start finding out that you'd like to be released of other people's ideas of you and come into your own ideas and the Creator's ideas for you. Right? Okay. All right, so. Well, we're now on page 76. And on page 76, it says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, we then look at step six. So am I good with the work I did in four? Am I still okay with the decision? Am I still feeling like this might work for me, right? Because I'm get, getting ready to prepare for the rest of the journey. I'm going to say another prayer, and that prayer does have an amen attached to it. You know why? Because that's when we're going to find out if I really want to grow. Because I'm going to have to go admit to people what I've done. I'm going to have to make a plan for making it right. I'm going to have to leave some people alone because I harmed them so bad they don't want to talk to me anymore. I'm going to learn it's not up to me to make them talk to me. Right? Okay. So, if we can answer our satisfaction, we then look at step six. We've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. How many of you have heard people tell people, well, you know what? You're just not willing. I'm not going to help you. Willingness is divine power. The only way they're going to know willingness is for me to show it to them. It's not their willingness that lacks. It's mine. I showed up with judgment. That's not helpful. No one can be a harsher judge of me than me. I tried to kill me for years. Anyone else in my club? I'd fucking kill somebody who did to me what I did to me. Okay. So we've emphasized willingness as being indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? The entire instruction for step six was in that sentence. Did you catch it? What did it say? Let God. Does that imply I can do it? You ever heard anyone or said to somebody, I'm working on my defects of character? What are you doing, polishing them up? I don't even know what they are. I think they're assets, right? Until I try and employ them. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I worked in behavioral health for a long time. I was working with seriously mentally ill people once upon a time, and I thought I was very clever. I thought I was funny. So I was being witty in front of these people. And one of them came up to me after the session and said, Joe, why are you making fun of us? And I was crushed because I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't realize their level of comprehension wasn't picking up my witty. I was absolutely crushed and then I knew that the creator was the only counsel that could help me grow into the man I wanted to be. Does that make sense? That's how I learned a little something about let God as opposed to I'm working on my defects. Okay. So, We've admitted our objectional. Can he now take them all, every one? So they're giving us an idea. They know because to a man, they weren't ready to let go of everything at once. So now we want to get a little order. What can I do right now? What do I need to keep praying for willingness for? And what that I just need to put out there and not even think about right now? Right? Because some of those things are scary. It takes a while to grow in the spirit. Yes? Okay. 
And then if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. Now they've taken the veil off of it. Willingness is divine power. It comes from one source alone. I'm not going to do it because you tricked me or you convinced me. I'm going to do it because I'm convicted in the spirit that I want to grow. I desperately need to know this power greater, and I'm going to move regardless of my fear. Does that make sense? It's the only way it's going to happen. If you want to come find God, the desire must come from within. They're very clear about that here. Okay? So when ready, so how would I know I'm ready? It says when ready, we say something like this. So again, they're never, oops, what am I doing? I'm losing oil. That's anointing oil. Just fell out. I don't even know how it did that. Chap might be throwing it at me. Um, okay, so there is going to be an amen here. So readiness means that I understand the path in front of me. I know the wreckage that I've caused. I know the resentments that I've held. And I'm now ready to move out with my eyes open into this life of restitution, this life, life of certitude, servitude rather, right? Does it make sense? And then it says, says that my creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. How many of you didn't know all the things that stood in the way of your usefulness? Just, I just told you a story of me not knowing, right? Because I thought I was useful when I wasn't useful. And it, it convinced me I needed to really grow, right? Okay. All right, so, so grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Right? And then it says we have then completed step seven. And the reason I always like to point this out is because people, well-meaning people, have handed you cards for years with the third step prayer with an amen on it, and they mislead. There's no amen there because that's only half the prayer. How do I know what the... I mean, you don't start out on that journey without first counting the cost. Make sense? Okay. So then it says now we need more action. So that's a next week thing. Thank you very much.